Hey everybody, welcome to uh, what I would describe as a very special edition of Wampa Radio because the you know honestly the 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 controller the founder of the feast as it were Flake himself uh, is not here he's he's traveling so it's just you and me this weekend Charmer you can see I've I've uh, I'm the one recording this so you can blame me if anything goes horribly wrong but you're editing it later so you, people can blame both of us I suppose but as you can see I put my name over the two box that we didn't have time to uh, to change but that's okay because we're still going to talk about Star Wars card games mostly focusing of course on Star Wars Unlimited how you doing Charmer. Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, okay, that's a lie. My day's actually been pretty miserable. <laughs> Yesterday was oh, no. not good. Today has been a continuation of just things blowing up. But it doesn't matter because right now I get to talk about Star Wars, and that's way better than anything else I have going on. Yeah. I, I do find it funny. I was kind of thinking as you were saying, you know, hey, you know, Flake has left, and I'm recording, and you're editing, and he's the only one who's missed an episode. This is now his second time missing an episode, but we don't have any assets that don't have his name on it. (laughs) That's true. So I feel like we should fix that at some point if this is going to be a recurring thing. It's actually funny that that worked out, but... You can assume yeah, that I'm, I'm at GGDOA on Twitter at least. That's uh, I've 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 put it in the most garish color possible to uh, to make it contrast with the existing blue. So, so there you go. It is an affront to all elements of graphic design, but we're gonna roll with it. But yeah. it is close. It's not quite, but it's close to the Wampa Radio Red anyway. Yeah, so. it's it's pretty close. It's it's not quite official Wampa Radio Red, but it's it's close enough anyway. Yeah, you get a you get a B on this assignment. It's close enough. That's but. it. Sounds like my entire uh, academic career. So that that fits in just fine. Solid yeah, me too. Over here. Yep. <laughs> you know who is not a B student though? Who? The folks who participated in the Wampa Cave Poll of the Week. Well, so this past week, oh, okay. <laughs> who's who's going to talk first? It doesn't matter. Keep going. It Keep doesn't going. matter. We'll fix just it go. Post. Just go. We'll fix it in post or yeah. leave it in because it's also funny. It doesn't matter. Uh, which of these uh, force wielders are you most hoping to see in Star Wars Unlimited? Was the poll that we posted uh, this previous week? The mm. choices, of course, were Grogu. I have hot opinions about Grogu. Oh. Uh, Mace Windu. Okay. Maul. I love that it's just Maul. Like everyone else got their full name, and then with him, it's just Maul, not Darth Maul. Yeah, not, he was a Darth. Just, Give him the respect yeah, he, he deserves, Flake. Come on. Some respect on his name. And then, uh, of course, Ahsoka, who's right on everybody's mind. Yeah. So before we go into how everyone else voted, we're going to, I guess, start with us. How did you vote in this particular poll? I, you know, I, well, so Grogu's right out. Right, because I, I think Grogu's a cute character. Uh, I've got a Grogu Christmas ornament that I put on my tree every every year, and I have no doubt he's going to be an entertaining card at some point in the future. I mean, it's inevitable that they you know put him in somewhere down the road. But you know, as far as Force users go, you know he's just a baby in every sense of the word. Uh, you know, he's kind of he's kind of riding Yoda's coattails. Let's be honest. You know, he's got to he's got to stand for himself. He's got to and uh, piloting a you know busted up ig unit droid uh like a like a little mech isn't it's adorable but it's not enough to really make me respect him as a force user so no grogu for me um 
Mace Windu, funny enough, uh, was revealed actually just, uh, what was it, yesterday or the day before? Yes. The, his, so his... we know we're getting him. Yeah. Yeah. So he's coming out. He ends up being a aggression heroism card. We'll take a look at him a little bit later in the show. Uh, and I, th I think Mace Windu, Window. <laughs> that's no, that's what he <laughs> flew out of at the end of uh, <laughs> Revenge of the Sith. Never mind. <laughs> Mace oh. defenestrated. Um, but uh, he's cool. He's a cool Jedi for sure. Um, but, uh, I, I, and I don't know, you know, honestly, I, I guess the other force users, a lot of them we've seen already. Like we've seen Obi-Wan, we've seen Luke, we've seen Vader, we've seen the Emperor. So it's hard to kind of find ones that haven't been seen yet, unless you're going with like the really recent stuff from Ahsoka. But like, you know, I don't think a lot of people would expect that stuff to be in like the first set of this game. Right. So, uh, it's, it's a good, it's a good selection for the poll. I mean, yeah, I, I, I honestly didn't vote in this one. If I'm gonna be completely honest, but uh, I, I missed it. But if I did choose, I'd probably be on the the mall hype train as well, just because he's he's a. I feel like he gets a little bit of Boba Fett treatment sometimes, where people think he's cooler than he really is. But then again, they did expand his character a lot more than they did uh, Boba Fett's, you know, and things like Clone Wars and stuff like that. So they went back and gave him a little bit more depth. But and he always seemed so sinister when I was when I was a kid and, and Phantom Menace was out, you know. Um, so I, yeah. I'd go for Maul. I mean, you need you need a good uh, collection of bad guys to go with the good guys, right? Oh, for sure. And I will say this: I believe that the weight of the results that we'll get to here in a moment are solely based on the expanding of the character that you were talking about, right? So when we talk about yeah. like Clone Wars, Rebels, etc., the things that Sam Witwer did with the character from a voice acting perspective and giving him a personality, I think did wonders. He was very much, in my opinion, the Boba Fett of the prequels where he just shows yeah. up and looks cool and then doesn't do a whole lot else. But to his at least credit, he is more effective than Boba Fett. He does kill Qui-Gon Jinn, who is somebody that we could have included on this poll, for example. Oh, yeah, that's a good choice. That's who I would have picked in a heartbeat. I, I think Qui-Gon's awesome. He's one of my favorite Jedi. Yeah. yeah. But hmm. with that being said, I voted for Mace Windu, but I will also be upfront. I voted one because at the time the card had not yet been revealed. So I'm happy that we do get him. But also I'm just a sucker for purple lightsabers. It's my favorite color. And I wanted a purple lightsaber in the game at some point. So I'm yeah. going to, you know, I, I'm hoping we're going to get a card that is, you know, the Mace Windu lightsaber and I can equip it to whoever I want and, and run it and, and be happy. So with that in mind, uh, the results were as follows. Uh, Maul, Darth Maul, put some respect on his name, got a... 37.2%. He is the leader, the winner of the poll. Crushed it. Followed by Ahsoka at 30.9%. Mace Windu, 21.3%. And then Grogu getting only 10.6%. And I think that that is still too high. I am not a Grogu fan. Hmm. I don't have anything against him character-wise. I, I think he's adorable. However... I, I am of the opinion that his presence actually actively makes the show The Mandalorian worse. And I feel like he was such a big hit and they were able to merchandise and, and make so much money off of him from that first season that they are now forcing him down our throat. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like that holds the show back. So I have wow. this, this like 
hatred for Grogu because I think that he definitely holds that character and that show back. And it's not that I have anything against Grogu. I just think that he needed to be his own thing. Like if there was ever a spinoff, it shouldn't have been Book of Boba Fett. It should have been Grogu. And then you follow his trajectory of becoming a, a Jedi or a Mandalorian or whatever. But Mando, like when I when I fell in love with that show, it was because I thought I was finally getting my, you know, episode uh, based bounty hunter, whatever, right? Like I, I like episodic television. I kind of miss the old, you know, X Files format where, yeah, there was an overarching story, but every week was a new case, and I kind of wanted it to be like every week or every two weeks was a new bounty, and then we get the, the cool bounty hunter experience, and we don't. We get, you know, Dad Mando. Yeah, I mean, we got a bit of that season one, but it went off the rails fast. I mean, it seemed like they kind of tried to write Grogu out of the series at the end of season two. And then I think I got a feeling the executive stopped in the room and said, bring that green moneymaker back. And then uh, then they then they did. That's the sense I got. I mean, I'll tell you what the Grogu problem is now. And the problem actually isn't even Grogu himself. The, the problem is the the utilization of the character in that it was very good in the first season, in the second season, where Grogu felt like this very special, vulnerable thing that needed protecting, right? And so then mm-hmm. it added this element of tension to the whole show, right? Where Mandalorian is caught up in all these adventures and all that, but he also has to protect this very vulnerable creature that's very important to the universe, you know? Um, and Grogu's adorable, so so your, your, your heart goes out to this little thing, right? Um, but then season three, you know, he's piloting, you know, mechs. He's like doing all this force stuff. He's jumping around and like that vulnerability is totally gone. Now it's just a Saturday yeah. morning cartoon. Now there's no tension. And now it's just kind of goofy stuff where it's like, how did this thing that could barely like get out of its chair last uh, in the first two seasons now is, you know, doing all this flipping and stuff like that. And like, yeah, I know he went and trained with Luke for a bit, but it still seems like it's a bit of an unrealistic progression for that character to go from where it was at the end of season two to now season three. You know, it's, it's like, why? why even make him a baby? He's not, he's basically not a baby anymore. And see, and then this is my problem. And this is why I brought up the merchandising. When, when you go through that lens, when you realize that it's like, well, we can sell the Grogu in a mech and we can sell Grogu in Mandalorian armor and we can sell Grogu in this and that, like his different versions, it's all it's all toy sales, right? And yeah. so that's my problem with the character. And I don't even dislike Grogu as a character. I think he is adorable. I love the, oh, like, yeah. he's always eating everything he's not supposed to be. Like, I like his quirks. He just, in my opinion, he holds that show back. So whenever he comes up, there's like he a part of me that gets... Yeah, a little, uh, little angry, but I understand that. I, I think we're we're of a similar mind on that. He does, uh, he does now hold it back in a way. He he elevated the show in the first two seasons, and now is kind of hampering it. If I, you go back agree. on my Twitter feed, like way back, I don't know, episode like five or six of season one, I said, I know you'll never do it because he's making you too much money, but kill Grogu at the end of season <laughs> one, you cowards! I right? Mean, like they tried to write him off. I'm I'm convinced. Write him off, but I mean, yeah. if you pulled like a, a Game of Thrones red wedding nah, moment, but with Grogu, much. where that's it's too much. too much for that. I know kind it's of Disney. Show. Too much. You could and or season two could include something like that, but yeah, Mandalorian is it's it's that between point, right? Or at least it was that between point with Star Wars yeah. made for kids and Star Wars that adults can enjoy, you know. And those two things can cross over, but and Mandalorian seemed like a good fit, kind of be to be in the middle of that. Where you've got a lot of fun Star Warsy things, but then you know Din Djarin's out there vaporizing Jawas just because he's mad at him, and I'm like, right? I, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I love it. You know, it's a that's that's fine. But you know, now season three felt very 
season three, I mean, we're getting way off topic here, but season three felt very studio to death. I thought I really didn't enjoy season three. Um, it was, uh, but anyway, that's, that's besides the point. There's our results for the Wampa Cave. Poll yeah. Of the week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what go. we do, right? <laughs> we, we get off the rails cause we love star Wars and we don't yeah. yet have, we don't yet have packs that we can open to get ourselves back on the rails. But That's as true. we're going to talk about later, we actually know when that will be. Yes. So that is that is very exciting. But before we get to that bit of news and kind of the, the main topic of the show, uh, we should talk about some of the things that we can find in packs when we are finally able to open some cards. So uh, we are filming this on uh, October 6th this time. We're a little bit behind schedule, but... These are all of the cards that have been revealed up until this point uh, yeah. that we have not yet covered. So we're going to start with the Grand Inquisitor. This was a leader unit, and I was very surprised we got Grand Inquisitor as a card, let alone as a leader. I don't dislike the design, but I was very surprised this was included. So the leader version of the card, if you will, is that you can uh, take an action and exhaust it to deal two damage to a friendly unit with three or less power and ready it. And then in order to deploy it, you have to have six resources. It's a six cost leader. And then uh, it is a three six stat line has force, imperial and inquisitor tags. It's in the ground area. And then on attack, you may deal one damage to another friendly unit with three or less power and ready it. So when he's on the field, he's a little bit more merciful as far as the damage that he deals, but mm -hmm. still expects units to obey his commands, ready up, and get back into the fight. He's busy. When he gets out on the field, he's a little bit busier. He's like, oh, you know, he just taps you with his lightsaber or whatever, you know, to do some damage. But, I mean, I like the idea of it. It fits very well into the aggression archetype, right, which is theoretically to be aggressive although we're still waiting for the big reveal i think that's that's coming out late they announced the date but I, it's slipping my mind when they're going to do the the aggression cards reveal um it's soon isn't it it's very soon i yeah, believe it's, like it's the 11th or something uh next week yeah yeah i'm trying to remember anyway so it fits in with what you can imagine that archetype is going to be um and so essentially like you're you're giving your you know one of your units the ability to swing twice right and and there's there's things to consider with this, you know, when you doing the damage to ready that unit is an action. So there's still going to be your opponent's action before you can then theoretically attack with that unit again. And so there's a chance that it would die um, because they would do something to it. Um, but, you know, it's it's also a thing where it's like now your opponent's like, well, do I have to attack into this now? Um, you know, if you compare it with something like grit, then suddenly that that's, you know, power positive options from the damage. So I think it's neat. And he definitely does seem like the type of card you could build a deck around. Um, so I'm curious to see what's going to come out of the, the aggression reveal, because uh, I, I want to know specifically how much stuff the aggression, uh, how much health the aggression stuff has, because that's going to play into this so much, right? Because yeah. in, in traditionally in card games, a lot of the aggression stuff uh, has been like higher on the attack side, lower on the um, you know defense side. So that would make it very difficult to utilize an ability like this. Um, at the same time, the way that, Star Wars Unlimited works where you can include multiple aspects. You could load it up theoretically with a bunch of, um, you know, a bunch of characters from a different aspect that benefited from taking damage. And obviously grit is what comes to mind there. So, um, so, so we'll see maybe like a, you know, blue, black, red for this, uh, you know, work it in with vigilance. How, how are you thinking you would build around this? Well, 
that's the interesting piece is I think there's actually a couple of different ways that I would build around this. On the one hand, being able to attack twice is nice, but I actually see this less as an attack twice and more as a way to kind of give you haste on one unit a turn. Because it just says that it has to deal two damage to a friendly unit with three or less power and then ready it. We know that we deploy units exhausted. So when you are trying to surprise your opponent, if this is the leader, they're likely going to be very aware of the like, okay, I've attacked with a unit and now I'm going to re-ready it up. But because you're doing that in between, they have more opportunities to respond. This, because there's no resource cost to the expenditure, you can wait for your opponent to kind of expend their resources, deploy the unit that you wanted to take advantage of, and then activate while they're already passing and get free swings out of it. So there's a bit of a surprise factor there. The other thing that jumps out is any units where you might want to take advantage of the when defeated part Mm -hmm. also. So yeah, this is meant for likely aggression and you want to get that extra mileage, but I was thinking of cards like Admiral Mahdi where you can get around theoretically that uh, three power threshold if you instead use this to destroy your own Admiral Mahdi and then Admiral Mahdi readies whatever the big unit is that you wanted to swing with a a second time or that you just played or whatever the case may be. So I do think that that ability to deal damage to your own units, it does obviously turn on the aggression, the attack twice, the attack the first turn it comes into play, but it could also be used for some of the when defeated stuff as well as the grit like you mentioned but those are the things that i've kind of been eyeballing is you know what cares about um when defeated and then as you were mentioning with the um as you were mentioning with the like aggression cards and ones with health uh i know when this card was revealed i did like a quick run through and there are a fair number of ones that are still like a two three which i think are what are going to be your main targets for this so like there's the one snow trooper that if it's attacking a damaged unit it gets a higher attack and overwhelm so the idea is that you know maybe you play it and then you can attack with it first turn or you attack once and because it it gets that bonus so like if you attack with it once right and you're attacking a unit that has already been damaged you can it you get to the plus two plus zero and overwhelm and then if you ready it and then attack again it should get another plus two right because it's until uh the end of turn i believe um yeah i'm trying to find that in the reveals right now i know the one it was one of the early ones um it's in the demo decks um right right uh let's see Oh, no, I found it. So First Legion Snow Trooper, but it's only when when attacking, attacking, so... Yeah, when attacking a damaged unit, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it doesn't last till end of turn, but that's still uh, another way that you can, you know, potentially utilize this is getting additional mileage out of those. If you're attacking a damaged unit and you use this to ready it, it would come in as a 6-1. So that that is something that could, you know, theoretically sweep a lot of bigger characters that have taken a little bit of damage so yeah that's that's a i would say it's definitely a possible use case for it uh the other thing just kind of thinking out loud that i hadn't considered um but as i'm looking at some of the reveals we're going to cover a bit later as well uh upgrades will probably Hmm. change the way you play around this as well right as you said there's a lot of the aggressive cards that are low health high power like three ones four twos etc but if you can play an upgrade 
then swing with it and then use the leader to get a second swing while it's upgraded, then you're kind of maximizing your damage there. Yeah, so that's a good segue into talking about our next card, I suppose. Um, I'll go ahead and introduce that one. It's Tactical Advantage. This is a one-cost command card. Give a unit plus two, plus two for this phase. So if you're running a green location along with Inquisitor, then it's just like you said. You can give a unit plus two, plus two. You can damage it and get more mileage out of it, theoretically, uh, you know, for that phase. So, but I mean, I think in general, this is just a good card, right? I mean, especially yeah. early on. Like, this is like just kind of one of the classic archetypal first set for a TCG cards, right? Low cost, buff a unit. Simple as that. Um, makes sense it's that it giant comes growth. out of command. It's giant growth, exactly. It's slightly less. It's 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 uh you know two two instead of three three. But we've all learned from giant growth that one for three three is uh, the one for three. It was too much for Magic, and it's turned out to be too much for a lot of other card games early on as well. So you see more one for two two these days in, in different games. So I think it's a good way to go. Um, and yeah, it's going to be just a good, solid standard starter card. You know. Yeah, I think that it's going to be used a lot in limited oh, yeah. just because it is low resource investment. Not only does it cost one, but it's only one aspect. So it's very splashable. It's something that is useful in a number of different ways. You can save a unit if you're trying to keep it alive. You can deal more damage. And as we get more games in, right, and we start talking about the later turns where the action economy matters a bit more with the passing back and forth, trying to take advantage of initiative, mm -hmm. being able to play something cheap without having to pass, giving your opponent a window to pass and end a turn when you didn't want to, but also not expend a bunch of your own resources because maybe you're waiting to, for, for them to expend theirs so that you can do something big is also very relevant. This is something that came up a lot when I was covering Artifact, where these very cheap cards were great at stalling a turn to try to get your opponent to fall into a trap. And sure. this is a command card that is a tactic, so it also kind of fits that bill. I mean, in the games I played with the the two starter decks, like the initiative token is so important, especially when it comes to late game. Just being able to be the first person to attack is, uh, is and obviously playing a card is nice, but being the first person to attack is huge on each turn. Once you have a bunch of stuff out there, you really set the pace for it. Sometimes if your opponent's not paying attention, you can just grab the initiative and just win the game. And they're like, oh, you get to attack first, and I don't have any Sentinel out or anything like that, you know? So it's, uh, it is it is going to become more and more important as people kind of get their hands on this and, and realize that as they play games. So I, I agree, something that uh, kind of makes you think a little bit more around that is going to be is going to be interesting. That whole game flow is is really fun. I'm really enjoying like the games I've, I've been playing with the starter decks. Like I said, I, I printed them out, and uh, so I've been playing some games with friends and things like that. So uh, I've been getting a sense of the flow of it a little bit better. And, and uh, yeah, that initiative token, pretty important. Pretty important. Who knew, right? Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Yeah. Well, we've got our uh, next card. Should we just move right along here? Yeah, we should We should move on to uh, the mech. Yeah. Um, the Grogu mech. Do you want to do this one or should I? And it's... And it's uh, hold up. You made a mistake. You made a colossal error just now. Oh, yeah. I, yeah not, you're right. I did. Not it is the not the Grogu Mac. That's no. right. That's IG-11 is the... That's right. Uh, ...is the uh, assassin droid that ends up becoming Grogu's uh, mech body. <laughs> He's been playing yeah. some flesh and blood, I guess. He's getting the Evo upgrades as well. But uh, 
No, this is IG-88, famous bounty hunter who stood on the bridge of the Star Destroyer uh, executor when uh, Darth Vader was sending people out to go uh, track down Han Solo and all that. He just stood there looking cool. And then Darth Vader told Boba Fett no disintegrations. And uh, that's basically all IG-88 did. That's kind of his yeah. entire presence in the uh, old, old uh, in the OT. I, I think there's maybe a scene later on where you see like his head somewhere. But uh, just like like he's he's been destroyed or something like that at some point. But um, but yeah, he's just another one of those characters. People love the bounty hunters on the uh, in that one scene in uh, Empire Strikes Back. Th those bounty hunters have spawned like books and all this sort of stuff. But they all look so cool and individually. Can't blame people. But IG-8 was one of them. A famous assassin. Yeah. Droid. He is uh, aggression villainy, and you tap him or you uh, rest him rather as a leader to attack with a unit. If you control more units than the defending player, the attacker gets plus one for this attack. Interesting. And then as a unit himself, IG-88, um, comes out when you have five or more resources, five for himself stat line, each other friendly unit gains raid one. So while, and, and keep in mind, this is a common leader, so you're not expecting the ability to be like super, super strong, right? Um, I think his, his, you know, leader ability is, is okay. It's obviously situational. There's times where you're probably not even going to be able to use it. However, if you build a decent board once he comes out, all your other units getting uh, raid one, uh, that could be a pretty powerful swing turn. So I, I think he'll be a good, uh, you maybe you build a, a deck around him, you know, for competitive play. But I think he'll be, he'll be a fun one in limited is what I see with this. Yeah, this is your standard swarm leader. Yeah. You just want to go wide is what they say, right? You want as many units in each zone as possible. I do find it interesting that his... Uh, action is just units, not units in a particular zone. Yeah. So if you're trying to flood, say, the ground, but your opponent is also flooding the space arena, but they have more than you, it doesn't matter. They have more than you. This is just straight up, do they have, you know, less units than you? If so, the attacker gets the plus one, plus zero. So mm. uh, you want to be emptying your hand. You want to go wide, try to get as much value as you can. The thing that jumps out to me is, the low health so when he comes out you're going to want to likely play him at the start of a turn because you want all of your other units that have yet to attack to get the raid one yeah. but he's also very fragile so this strikes me as a very high risk high reward leader even when you're talking about limited play like four health is not really a lot and that that is where i see the weakness of this potentially showing up yeah i mean and, and for me, that's all fine. I, I again, like he's a common rarity leader. He's he's clearly made as sort of like a you know more of an intro one, more of a limited one. Um, I I I am curious. It is interesting because it says units. You know, you could theoretically do like space swarm if you get enough cheap Tie Fighters and things like that. Um, you know, to and and have IG eighty eight still be your leader, which is kind of interesting. So I I like the versatility that he offers in that regard. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, I think he's he's going to be overshadowed by by other leaders just by nature of the the quality of the card due to rarity. But I do like the abilities on it. Um, and, you know, as far as flooding the board goes, we do have like some strong draw stuff already existing for for villainy and uh, stuff like I am your father, which, you know, most people would, uh, you know, maybe maybe they'll be willing to lose uh, an important unit. But I think some people will let you draw those cards, you know, so. Uh, I when I see something that supports swarm, I'm like, all right, where's the card draw? You know. 
What am I forgetting? What other accessible card draw stuff do we have here? Well, if you pair with command, then you can start getting things like Tarkin and a bunch of the other card draw options. Mm -hmm. But then you may or may not get to take advantage of whatever the aggression legendary is that you know mm -hmm. we're going to get revealed right. next week. So we'll have to kind of wait and see how that goes. There is one other thing that jumps out to me. You know, you mentioned the you could have a bunch of TIE fighters, but IG-88 still your leader. And I was kind of chuckling in my head at that. But then I was paying attention to the tags, right? So his tags are Underworld, Droid, and Bounty Hunter. And right now for set one, your swarm is really TIE fighters and stormtroopers. And that's a very Imperial feeling thing. And most of our card draws in command, which is, again, a very Imperial feeling thing if you're kind of going this villainy route. Yeah. So what jumps out to me is that I could potentially see a world or a future where when we get sets more based around, say, the prequels, IG-88 would be your leader of the battle droids because they'll mm -hmm. all have a droid tag, right? And if we've got battle droids and, you know, droidicas and the, the tanks, then maybe that's when his swarm thing will really shine. Hmm. This might be something that is still playable in set one, but really is more of a setup piece for what we'll see in the future. Yeah, I mean... That is kind of the beauty of, of having these tags with cards, right? Is that like it's always something you can kind of go back to. And and I think that's something that's just like Star Wars card games lend themselves to well anyway, is that there's such a there's a lot of strong connections between different parts of the timeline. So and I mean, yeah, you'd imagine that stuff will come out at some point. Who knows? But uh that would be that would be cool. Droid leader with a droid deck. I mean, and you, the Trade Federation sure love to swarm droids. So <laughs> they they did. Yeah, they they loved giving us a bunch of droids for Jedi to mow through, but us to not feel bad about because they're not real people. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, either way, maybe you'll benefit us now with a with a future deck option for for IG eighty eight. But uh, but yeah, that's Roger, uh, Roger. <laughs> there you go. You're early on the notes. That's yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but uh, that's that's a good point. Yeah, and that's that's something to kind of keep in mind too. But I still think for now it's looking like a good limited commander or uh, or leader rather. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if you've got a bunch of good aggression based swarm based units in draft, for example. If you're just gobbling up all the cheap stuff, mm -hmm. I think you could get a lot of extra mileage out of this. And the four health will likely matter a whole lot less in limited as well. So uh, I do think that that is a, a spot where he could shine, but. Yeah. Uh, as you rightfully pointed out, it is a common leader, but uh, you know who's not a common leader. No. And it also, it's so funny that we get <laughs> this when Flake leaves. This is right. what he deserves for leaving us. So do you want to do the honors and oh, cover dude. the other? Yeah, I'll let you do it. I'll okay. let you cover sure. the uh, the next card. All right, I'll, I'll go ahead and do that. Well, it's none other than, uh, than Han Solo. That's right. Flake misses out on the Han Solo leader. Sad times, but not for us, because we're here, and not for you at home, because you get to get excited about Han Solo decks. He's a rare leader, by the way. Um, heroism, cunning, of course, and uh, his mm -hmm. action is exhaust him to put a card from your hand into play as a resource and ready it. At the start of your next action phase, defeat a resource you control. So basically, you can uh, use him to get a, a, an extra temporary resource for that turn. 
Um, and we'll talk about why that's important in a moment. Let's talk about the, the leader or the unit version of it uh, for a moment too. He's after six resources, uh, he comes out. He's a four, six on attack, put the top card of your deck into play as a resource and ready it at the start of the next action phase, defeat a resource you control. So um, similar mechanic, a little different utilization. When he's a unit, you don't need to use a card from your hand to get that extra resource. You can get it from the top of your deck, which is pretty nice. Um, and you also get an interesting situation where he can exhaust, you can get the extra resource to bring yourself up to six resources. He can play himself then, and then uh, then on attack, you can get yourself another resource. So you'd have to be defeating two resources at the end of that next turn. But there are situations where you could be getting, you know, a little bit of extra significant resource boost. I think that helps you at times where, like, you have a card in your hand you really want to play and you don't want to give up one of your cards in hands as a resource at the beginning of the turn he can sort of let you cheat that a little bit um it's not permanent resource generation but it's it could be very important circumstantial resource generation so this is a really interesting card um i think it's i think it's good i don't know i, I think it's really good but you kind of hit the nail on the head which is the swing turn yeah. Uh, when I look at this, I immediately did the same math you did, and I said, okay, so that means on turn five, as long as my opponent doesn't have removal for the one, like, action inner uh, change, right? Because Han Solo is going to um, come out, and he's going to be ready, because we know that that's what happens, you know, with the leader. So he's going to come out, and so your opponent's going to have, like, one moment to stop him from attacking. But otherwise, what you've got is on turn five, seven resources to work with and you got a four six body out of it right so you go on turn five right up to seven that is a big jump even if it's temporary mm -hmm. in terms of tempo to drop some seven cost bomb or it could even just be you know a three cost unit and a four cost removal whatever the case may be going on turn five all the way up to seven resources is a pretty big deal and you get the body on top of hey, it i i can think of a, a seven cost card that could fit into this deck that we'll be talking about in in just a little bit so yeah, so it's, yeah it's weird right like yeah. there's some good seven cost stuff it's mm. almost like aggression would be the other thing you'd want to pair him with uh which you know thematically kind of makes sense it's on solo uh my my one criticism i gotta say and you and i were talking about this a little bit less yesterday <laughs> but this the the art for this han solo card has big time holiday special cartoon energy like uh it is a very stylized caricature of yeah. Han Solo. Um, I'm not sure I'm a big fan of it. It it looks uh, it it's such a different vibe from the other cards we've seen, um, and, and and I don't know. It's it's well rendered, uh, but it looks like it's something that belongs more in like Lorcana, I think, than than this game. Um, and I realize both of those are hand drawn, you know, art style, you know, games. Both trend towards the cartoony nature, but. I, I feel like this is a little bit too stylized for my taste. And I'm sure there's lots of people out there that absolutely love it, and that's perfectly fine. But for my own personal taste, I'm not a huge fan of of uh, the depiction of Han Solo. But that's a, that's yeah, a, nitpick. I, a nitpick. I mean, I, I agree with you. Uh, as you said, we were talking about it yesterday when we were kind of going over things. And for me, it feels out of place with the other art. I think that's mm -hmm. the right way to put it. Even when you look at, you know, the, the grimace, Chewbacca, right? Like yeah. that one's also very stylized, but I don't know. It felt like a more like kind of fun campy. This truly feels like a caricature. This feels like, you know, Harrison Ford sat down at a county fair and one of those caricature <laughs> artists drew yeah. him very exaggerated. And 
it, you know, in that style, it's not bad. It just doesn't feel like it fits with the rest of what we've seen from this set. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, and I it, would imagine and it hurts that it's the leader because that that means yeah. that, uh, you know, you're staring at it the entire game. However, the one like saving grace, not for Flake's wallet, mind you, but the one saving <laughs> grace is this also means there will be a showcase version of this Han. And maybe that one looks outstanding. I can't remember. Did they say there were showcase ones of all the leaders? I would imagine they. I I thought so. I thought there was a showcase for each leader. You're but... probably right, but I I honestly can't remember at the moment. But that would have different art, theoretically. So. Yeah, because I thought it was hyperspace for every regular card, yeah. and then showcase for all of the leaders. You're probably right. Yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I'm sure somebody out there is screaming at the monitor right now. But either way, um, you can always like uh, you know, maybe tape your own art over it too. You know. Yeah, print something or you out. could have uh, somebody do an altar. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of artists that love doing that sort of thing. It doesn't go in your deck, so it's not like you need to worry about, you know, changing the card at all in some way that would make it unshuffleable <laughs> or something, you know? So so go for it, you know? But, and, and again, like I said, it's it's not that it's a bad image. It's just an image that feels like it, it just doesn't fit with the rest of the art in the game right now. And, and you know, yeah. maybe, that's maybe we have that opinion because we haven't seen much of the art in the game yet. But uh, that is my my current opinion at this moment in time. Anyway, there you go. Want to talk All about right. the next one? <laughs> I do because this is one of the ones that I was also alluding to earlier yeah. uh, when we were discussing uh, the Grand Inquisitor. So it makes sense that this card potentially fits with that leader because it is a fallen lightsaber. So this is an upgrade card. It is in villainy and aggression. Again, the same aspects that the Inquisitor leader was. Mm -hmm. This says attached to a non-vehicle unit. So sorry, TIE fighters, you can't wield lightsabers. <laughs> no, uh, only attached. Uh, only Lucian's uh, <laughs> tie, only Lucian ship in Andor can wield uh, lightsabers, apparently. Yeah. Uh, if attached unit is a force unit, it gains on attack, deal one damage to each ground unit the defending player controls. Then it also does provide a plus three, plus three in stats, which is actually pretty hefty for the three cost and yeah. a, such a good like on attack trigger here. Uh, the tags are item, weapon and lightsaber. So nothing really shocking there. But this is a card art wise. It looks like Darth Maul's lightsaber. It's not named Darth Maul's lightsaber. This isn't a unique one. Uh, it's just called Fallen, uh, but it's, you know, a double sided lightsaber in the art. Uh, does again feel like it fits with the uh, Grand Inquisitor feel yeah. because it would feel very good, for example, to put this on a unit, attack with it. When you attack with it, you deal one damage to every ground unit the opposing player has. And then because you get plus three, plus three, you can whip whatever unit that is with the Inquisitor so it can attack a second time. And then you deal one damage to every ground unit again. So you kind of become this you know, whirlwind of spinning the double-bladed lightsaber, attacking everything on the ground. And because it's plus three, plus three, you can survive the Inquisitor's, um, you know, instigation, if you will. His, uh, and, uh, his uh, I, I dig this card. Say. Yeah, motivation. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like it too. I like it too. And, and one of the things I'm really interested in exploring in Star Wars Unlimited as, you know, we see more reveals as things come out and we get more deck building experience is what is really the feasibility of putting off aspect cards in your deck? Uh, because when I look at this card and I think about the fact that, you know, there's, uh, you know, there's just as many, uh, you know, what if I want to run 
like a, a heroism aggression uh force user deck someday you know where mm -hmm. it's like the old school star wars ccg mains and, and lightsabers right where you have the main characters and all the weapons and things um would i be willing to pay the extra two cost because i'm lacking the villainy aspect to put this in my deck uh when it's just you know attached unit is a force unit it doesn't say imperial dark side anything like that um so any light side jedi could use this and still get the um on attack uh you know aoe damage right so i kind of look at this and i wonder like is this going to be maybe good enough to include in in a heavy <laughs> force deck on the other side too it is a rare card and it does have a very powerful effect and it would be one that i might consider depending on what i have available in my deck it is a very rare source of aoe damage at least right now again we haven't seen the full set but there's mm -hmm. not a lot of these effects and the other thing that jumps out to me as well is that when you are looking at something like shields this eats through all ground shields yeah i mean unless something is double shielded right we know that you can have more than one shield token but assuming it's just one shield token this just on attack eats all of the ground shields that feels very very good to me well especially against like the luke skywalker starter leader that you know gives a lot of shields out right or any deck that gives a lot of shields out um that's a it's a great point that this kind of deals with those but i think that's something that's that's really important to think about when we see a lot of these cards too it's like is are there going to be cards that are good enough to include in off aspect decks and i would imagine there are probably going to be some and i think that's going to be a great way to tweak decks uh at the competitive level to maybe surprise your opponent with something they're not expecting because if you hit them with something they're totally not prepared for I think that's going to be worth the extra two costs. So I can't wait yeah. until there's a lot of stuff out and I can sneak those off aspect cards into my deck and really kind of like take advantage of that. I, I'm really, really happy with how they implemented that rule into the game. So when I see a card like this, I'm like, I could do some sneaky stuff with this. That'll be, that'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The last Next card one. that was revealed, and this is another one that we hinted at, alluded, and... Uh... Man, I'm just, I'm really excited because uh, we've already mentioned it. We got Mace Windu, right? Uh -huh. uh, Mace, we had him on the Wampa Pole, and it turns out we're just prophets. Uh, Mace Windu is heroism and aggression. Makes sense. He's a very aggressive Jedi. Costs seven, has the Force, Jedi, and Republic tags, has a five, seven body. So pretty, pretty big, sizable stats. Has ambush. So when he comes into play, you can ready him and attack an opposing unit. But then it says, when this unit attacks and defeats a unit, ready him. Yeah. And this means <laughs> this means a lot of things. One, this means that if your opponent has a bunch of uh, opposing units and you just want to clean up the board, this could be another way to kind of have AoE removal. Now, you have to take actions every time, right? So you're going to eat up a turn where they have a chance to respond with the back and forth nature. Uh, but the other reason that I really liked this card being an aggression is that you can play him, do the ambush, but once you ready him, you're not required to continue to ambush. You can kill one unit and then take that five damage and orient it right at somebody's base. And that is a really big power play. Yeah, um, I I wonder too. I, do, you, do we know for sure with the ruling, like on the turn you play him, if he attacks and defeats something and you ready him, I, I don't know if you could attack a base after that because it still is the turn he came into play. 
So well, there's no at least in the quick start rules, there is no okay. true summoning sickness. It's yeah, just when you play a true. unit, you play it exhausted. Yeah, and I think that's right. why we have all of these aggression things like the Grand Inquisitor, for example, where they're yeah. saying, okay, once per turn, if you deal two damage to one of your own units, then you can give it no, haste, right? Totally like right. that's the way they balanced it. I was thinking so, about something else when you brought that up and I just I just reacted to it. Do you know why? Yeah, know no. It? So uh uh, with Mace here, I do think that is the case. Now, again, you're paying seven for it. He's also like, this is an iconic character. He's a main. So you would expect him to have something powerful. I don't think we're going to have a lot of units that have this ability. But as we were talking about that swing turn, if Han Solo is your leader, right? If you're going heroism, aggression, cunning, and on turn five, you're like, okay, well, you know, I go to six resources. I deploy Han. I go to seven after he attacks. I play Mace. I eat your unit and then I attack your base. Like, that's a good turn. Yeah, could theoretically be uh, an extremely good turn, especially if Han gets a chance to attack the uh, the base too. That's a lot of yeah. damage. Um, yeah, I mean, speaking of battle droids, he's uh, he's taken out a bunch here, and that's that's <laughs> interesting because we do have we do have like some prequel era stuff in this first set. It seems like, but uh, but so far so far no no prequel era droids that I'm aware of. I don't think. Yeah, but we'll see. Yeah, I don't I'm to think it's it's been all like. It's been all like uh, basically like uh, M Imperial era stuff, isn't it? Yeah, like I don't I remember it, any kind of battle droids. Uh, I don't remember any like droidicas, uh, the tanks, anything like that. Yeah. I haven't really thought about it before, but the more I think about it, the more I'm surprised to see Mace Windu because he is a prequel guy. Yeah, I didn't expect to see him in set one. Like I'm very happy. I'm excited. Like I said, I love my purple lightsabers. Give me... Mace Windu all day long, but I wasn't expecting it set one. Even though it's technically the right era, I still wasn't even expecting Grand Inquisitor. Uh, yeah. If I'm being honest, I think we're only getting him because we got some of the Rebels stuff as well. So Grand I mean, it makes more sense knowing we're getting Spectre. But I mean, Grand Inquisitor is is post uh, prequel though. He's like in the between times, you know. Well, right, right. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like he's technically right era. He just yeah. I guess in my head, when I was thinking of, you know, the era of four, five and six, I felt like they were going to keep it also centered around the films. Mm -hmm. But they have obviously dove into stuff Rebels. from Rebels and Rebels. some of that other material. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm looking through this. I'm looking through the revealed cards so far. And I am I think I'm pretty sure Mace Windu is the only prequel era card we've seen so far. I mean, I yeah, guess there's I art guess we have a, on yeah, vigilance. Art on vigilance, yeah, there's that. But as far as uh, Obi Wan go, is technically from the prequels, but we get old Obi Wan well, as the card. Not, yeah, what? not that Obi Wan. Yeah, <laughs> right. Not prequels Obi Wan. Um, hopefully, that'll just be a different version at some point. But like, uh, but yeah, I think that's the only prequel character we've seen from the reveal so far. Oh, that's interesting. Maybe that expands what we can expect in set one. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, hmm. I don't know. I don't want to see it too expanded. I kind of like the era that they're kind of looking like they're sitting in for this. But at the same time, like you need to fill out the Jedi roster. You need to you, you, you do. get some more Jedis on both sides. So I get it. I get it. Mace is an iconic Star Wars character. So I, I will say it also might be a bit of a, a pun or a play on words because his additional text so he is mace windu oh. <laughs> party crasher yeah so maybe he'll be the only prequel one but he just showed up the party crasher 
Yeah, no, you might be right there. I think that's that might be a subtle uh, a subtle bit of humor there from from Fantasy Flight. I like it. <laughs> I didn't I didn't think about All that. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, that's it for the reveals. So there was, of course, one last bit of news that came out this week, and it's perhaps the most important, the biggest chunk of news of all. And yeah, that I is so. what the uh, emphasis of the show was meant to be on, though we have been very off track. It turns out Flake was the one who kept us Sorry. on track, but whatever. Um, I think we've done fine. I think we've done fine. Uh, so with that in mind, we got a trailer for the game, which I actually thought was pretty well done for a card game trailer. It's not something I'm accustomed to getting for mm -hmm. my physical card games, you know, in digital games, I'm used to getting trailers and so on and so forth. But we got like a little mini trailer that included the release date. So the game will be released on March 8th of 2024. Now that it is officially released, I can say that we had our suspicions because somebody messed up and posted on uh, Twitter um, that it not was going us, to be in, in March. No, not yeah. one of us, but like we saw it, but you know, we don't like to talk about speculation or things like that until things are confirmed. But yeah, we know that we're getting the game on March 8th, which also means that we should be looking at perhaps the week before for pre-releases pre would be my guess, right? I mean, that's usually how card games run it. So, yeah, a week or two before we do pre-release things. Um, we know Limited is a big emphasis with this uh, this game, and so I'm really looking forward to it. I think we've seen a lot of stuff so far that should make you excited about Limited. And, and I've said before, I'm not a Limited player. I don't really enjoy Limited. But that said, I think I'm going to enjoy it more in this game just because of the way that deck construction works. Um, so, but yeah, March 8th, right before my birthday. I'm excited. Um, that, that's was, perfect timing. It's earlier than well, I that, thought it would be, honestly. So I'm hyped. I, I was just about to say, but then you said it's close to your birthday and you probably have stuff going on. But I was going to say, no. what if to convert you to limited, Flake and I were to come out and we did some sort of like reveal event and we forced like you to draft with us? To me. Yeah, I it's not till the twenty second, so it's not like right before it, but it's it's close oh, okay. enough. Yeah. So but no, we're we're definitely doing some stuff around release. There's no question about that. What it is, that is the question. We'll have to figure it yeah, out. Yeah, that is the question. But I I would love to come out and have any excuse to just crack a bunch of packs, both just to crack them, but also for limited and to play and yeah. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Uh with that in mind, I I wanted to ask you, right? So now that we have a release date like i said pre-releases we can expect about a week before mm -hmm. um and i'm putting you on the spot what you know outside of us getting together and possibly doing something what is your plan for release like how do you mm -hmm. tackle when a new card game is coming out in the past right how have you decided to dive in or or navigate a release for a game like this um so for something like this uh, I just usually like to deck build, you know, and theory craft and, and see what's out there and try things, right? Like pick a leader, try to optimize it, play it against some people, iterate, you know, I just, I enjoy that process, you know, so I'm looking forward to that whole thing. And I'm excited to go to events, see what other people have built, um, you know, and, and kind of take it from there. So yeah, for me, like it's the, the, the discovery aspect is always the most fun part of, uh, of card games just in general. Like, that was the thing that got me into card games in the first place. I like competing, but I really loved being like, oh, wow, that thing exists. You put it together that way. That deck is so cool. I, I really like the, the um, you know, the exploration and discovery part of deck building and, and, you know, finding out things about new games. So, yeah, that's what I'm hyped about is just 
sitting down and building decks and then trying them you know like uh, it's pr pretty basic as far as card games go but that um and then you know seeing whatever competitive stuff comes out of it too i didn't know if you had any sort of ritual where you like oh, always no. buy x number of boxes or you crack them a certain way or because i i know some people uh, who have like very specific oh things no. that they do for releases no not really and, i, just get, I uh, usually get like a case and just open packs on stream that's that's about it yeah I'm gonna do i i don't have <laughs> i don't have like a set ritual uh but i i realized before when i had decided i was going to ask you this question that i do actually have one but it's not something oh. that is like thought what happens is i usually buy um, you know, if it's a large set or whatever, I usually buy about four boxes of product, mm -hmm. uh, whether this is, you know, flesh and blood or battle spirits or whatever, but I usually buy about four boxes of product. Um, and then I tell myself I'm only going to open one and I'm going to record it for YouTube. And then <laughs> what happens is I bring it home and around midnight hits and I'm like, all right, well, I'm just going to crack one without recording it because I just want to crack packs. And then I get the smell and the feel of new cards that has that very unique experience and nostalgia kicks in. Yep. Uh, and then I just open them all. And I realize now that I have done that for like the last six or seven set releases for <laughs> games. Um, so I apparently have a ritual, but I didn't even realize it until... I had started thinking about this well, question. I've decided, I mean, uh, I've decided with like, I just picked up a case of the new flesh and blood set today, this morning. Um, and uh, I've decided I'm not opening it until I have the stream on and I have everything set up to do it on stream. So I'm just going to, I'm going to wait. Yeah. So hopefully, uh, you know, either later this weekend or early next week, that'll be out there. Yeah. You, you are a disciplined man. Godspeed. I've I always tell myself I'm going to do it. I've had to like drag myself kicking and screaming into the realm of being disciplined. And, and I'm not, uh, I'm no Jedi when it comes to discipline, but, uh, but I try, I try, you know, I give it a shot. Oh, here's another thing I want to see, uh, not ritual wise about releases, but I want to see events. I want to see competitive events. I want to see people showcasing the best things you can do with the set, um, you know, playing good games. I, I want to get a real feel of the competitive stuff. So yeah, see what we can do there. So this brings me to the next point that I wanted to mention. Now that we have a release date, what kind of traction do you anticipate at your local game stores where you are? Because where I am, uh, there's a couple that plan on carrying it, and then there's a couple that feel like they've been burned by FFG in the past, and they're unsure. And obviously, I want to see the game succeed, and I want to have a lot of different places for me to play it. Yeah. Um, what kind of traction do you expect, and what kind of, you know, th this is not just a question for you, but also our listeners. What kind of, like, work do you think that you're going to have to do to ensure that you're going to get those events, mm -hmm. right? Well, so a lot of the the people in charge of shops that I've talked to, you know, and to a certain extent, players all say the same thing, where they're like, Fantasy Flight makes great games, no doubt about that, but, you know, how long will it be supported? That's where the concern comes in. I think it's a very valid criticism, and I think they know that, too. Um, but uh, so that that's really it, you know, and I think a lot of stores, though, uh, that I've talked to are like, yeah, well, we'll carry it because it's Star Wars, you know? I mean, Star Wars is going to sell, you know, no matter what, right? So at the end of the day, like, uh, you know, I think there might be more hesitancy if it was like a unique intellectual property or something new. 
Um, but because it's Star Wars, I think that helps people kind of get over a little bit of the concern because of the past card games. Um, you know, and I myself, like, I feel like I've been burned by that too. I was a big Legend of the Five Rings LCG player. Uh, that just kind of ended overnight, uh, you know, one day. And, and uh, things like Star Wars Destiny, you know, end up, uh, you know, being canceled. And, and so, you know, obviously people are aware of that and that's a concern. But I think I think this one, this one looks like it has a lot of support coming into it. And it looks like a genuinely good game. And, you know, they are aware of their reputation for that, I'm sure. So, uh, and it's Star Wars. So it's kind of hard to go wrong with that. So, you know, I like to be optimistic about it, mostly because I want to I want to play in these events, you know. But then again, the, the game genuinely looks good and it genuinely is fun and I've played it. So, you know, I, I, feel, I feel more confident supporting it that way. And I just hope that the consistency things that have sometimes plagued uh, Fantasy Flight card game releases in the past don't happen with this one. Um, and they've come out and said that they're planning on supporting it long term anyway. So, you know, I feel like uh, I, I don't know if I've really heard that before. So <laughs> I don't think I have either. Um, also, like I, I live right in like their backyard, too. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, area, that was it's like, yeah. So so people like people like them around here, you know, just by virtue of that, too. You know, they have a good reputation as a good game maker. Um, and then they're also local. So there's a little bit of love there, too. That was one of the reasons that I asked, because I'm on the other side of the big lake and here i mean people like the fantasy flight games themselves it's just that you know but for how long or like i said one of the local yeah. game stores was very big into destiny and then when that got canceled they they just particularly feel burned so because mm -hmm. i've been asking right i don't know when the orders need to be placed but i want to make sure that i have my pre-orders in whenever i don't expect this game to have any of the logistics issues that lorcana had or if they do it's certainly yeah. not at that scale fingers crossed but that doesn't mean yeah. that i don't want to put my pre-order in as soon as i can put it in either you know what i mean so i've yeah. been asking and that was one of the things that i had heard was just like a couple of stores saying that they hadn't you know made any commitments or whatever yet and they were on the fence if they were going to because they don't want to build a community and then have the community be upset a second or a third time. So yeah, um, I'm I, still rooting for it. And I, I oh, said, well, if you have events, yeah. like I'll, I'll play. Um, I think everybody's rooting for it. I think at the end of the day, like the people that have been paying attention to this game, see that it's a, a good game. And, you know, obviously that, that, that history is out there, right. With this company. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, it's hard not to root for it. Right. You know, especially if you're a Star Wars fan, and and I'm, I'm a when I talk about my Star Wars fandom, I like to stress that I'm a fan of the Star Wars universe, not necessarily the Star Wars content, because there's been a lot of not great Star Wars content that's come out, obviously, um, on uh, different streaming services and things like that, and movie theaters. But uh, I'm confident about this piece of Star Wars content. I think this will be a form of Star Wars that I enjoy. So I hope it does get a lot of support. And from what I've heard around here, it seems like people are going to, you know, they're going to support it and see what happens despite the, the history, just because, you know, again, those two things looks like a good game and it's Star Wars. And that yeah. seems to be enough I, for, for a lot of people. I've had this discussion a few different times, but I had it again at my bright relates uh, pre-release, which is when I look at what I would want from a card game, in terms of support and the way that they are handling a release, handling, uh, you know, their PR, the way they release information, um, their distribution model, et cetera, et cetera. When I look at all of that, 
um, FFG is doing everything right, right? Like if I just cover up, like if I if I listed out all the things they're doing and then I covered up who the developer was or who the game maker was and I said, hey, if there's a card game coming, it's Star Wars and this is everything you know about it, how do you feel? And then I, you know, kept that covered. I feel like most people would be like, yeah, that sounds great, right? Literally yeah. the only criticism that I get when I explain to people the rules and I, you know, show them some of the cards is that they go like, you know, well... FFG. Same. Um, and, and that's not everybody, mind you. There's a lot of people that are just excited. But when I do get criticism, that is literally the only one that I get. And I think that that also speaks volumes, right? Like the game is sound. I think that their decisions are right on par with what I would want. It's just you got to get people over that hump. And that's something yeah. that unfortunately I think is just going to take time. You know, the thing is, though, is that we talk about this topic a lot because we are deep into the card gaming scene, right? But this this is Star Wars. There's going to be so many people that pick up this game and try it that have no idea, you know, what the company even is, you know. So I, I think the the fact that it's Star Wars uh, covers up for a lot of that stuff, that there's such a mainstream appeal to this that, you know, I think for for a lot of casual card game players, which is the majority of card game players, it's like not even the thing they think about. But, you know, us who are heavy competitive players, yeah, obviously, yeah. it's a very important thing to us and and. You know that's valid too but yeah ultimately i i don't see it as being like a major factor in the success or failure of the game i think it'll live or die by how good it is right and so far so good from what we've seen so hopefully so if i were flake this is normally where i would then give you some sort of lead in where i'd say like well <laughs> you know if you are wanting to go to events but your local game store it says hey we're not thinking that we're going to carry Star Wars. What would you say to that? And then you would reply, well, I have a bad feeling about this. But we're not going to do that because we're it. not flake. We're you, you we're just going to say, hey, let's go to the bad feeling mailbag. I don't know. I have a bad feeling about this. I have a bad feeling about this. I have a really bad feeling about this. Oh, I have a bad feeling about this. Yeah, you and me both. Well, here we are at the Bad Feelings Mailbag uh, to try to create some good feelings by answering uh, one of your questions out there. And today we have a question from at Larry Hurley 28, a.k.a. Smoke, on, on the platform X, formerly known as, as Twitter. Now it's, it's not X, it's Twitter. It'll, I, it'll always be Twitter. <laughs> I refuse. There's been some dumb things happening on the Internet, but this is one of the the Twitter X is one of the dumbest things of all time. Anyway, I digress. Uh, the question is, what type of ban list would you like to see implemented if some cards get out of control? For example, banned in a certain leader, banned only at a competitive level, uh, or events in certain formats, or just banned altogether? That's a really interesting question, too, because because of the way the game is constructed, you do have uh, new levers you can pull on how you mm -hmm. ban and restrict cards. Uh, so, so yeah, that, that is a good question. What's your take on that when you read this? There are a lot of different ways that you could address whether it's bans or restrictions because uh, as you said right there are uh, leaders there are also aspects that you could consider where it, you could limit stuff to that as well um you you could do a bunch of different things but when i think of like the player experience personally i think that the easier it is to know and follow and understand a rule the the better off you are so if yeah. it's banned it should just be banned in my opinion now, this is Star Wars, and it's going to be 
very, very sad. Like if you're a huge Mace Windu fan, for example, and suddenly Mace Windu is banned, like you're going to feel bad. Now, the good news is there's going to be more than one Mace Windu. Like, let's be honest, right? Like there's already more than one Han. We've got, you know, unit Han and leader Han, and we've already seen multiple iterations of some of these characters. We're not limited. So even if your favorite character is incredibly overpowered and then ends up being banned or whatever, um, you'll probably get another one. So yeah. uh, I would just, I would like to say if there's a card that's problematic, it's probably problematic in all of the different leaders or all of the different aspects. And if it's not, then it's probably that deck is doing something so wildly different than it doesn't matter anyway. But mm-hmm. uh, I would, I would just like to see just a, a banned list, right? Like it's either banned or it's not because that's the easiest thing for players. And that's what I want, right? I want a smooth player experience. Yeah, uh, my take on it is kind of influenced uh, by uh, the amount of One Piece I've been playing lately, where uh, One Piece is another game where it's a 50-card deck, it's a leader-based game, um, and they they do sort of a combination of ban and restricted cards, so they'll restrict cards if you can only have one of it in a deck, and uh, that seems to work pretty well um, from what I've seen. I'm, I'm not like a, uh, you know, a huge expert in uh, One Piece at the competitive level, but I've played a good amount of it, and it seems like uh, that's helped kind of temper some decks that were kind of getting out of control if you only can have one copy of a certain card in there. So I, I'd like to see something like that, where it's like rather than just ban a card, restrict it at first and see if that helps. Um, I also like Flesh and Blood's approach to this kind of thing, where they'll do things like suspending a card, and they say this card is not uh, playable until this next set comes out. You know, So I, I like that they... It's, I feel like it's a softer blow for the player base when they see suspended instead of banned, where they're like, all right, well, I, I'll get this. This card isn't just a useless piece of cardboard in my in my box. I'll get to use this at some point. I just can't use it for a little while, you know? So I like that idea, too, where, you know, obviously, as the game development company, you're thinking multiple sets ahead, right? You know what's coming far, far out in the future theory, or, or at least you've, you know, started working on that, right? So you know when a card is too strong now but it'll be more you know it'll be more in line later on and so i like the idea of suspending cards too and letting people know that it's only a a temporary ban essentially so um i want to see kind of a combination of the two if it's an insane card unfortunately i think bans are are something that's healthy for competitive play sometimes you need to ban a card and sometimes you don't get a sense of if a card is that strong until it gets out into the wider player base despite you know how much testing you might do um but at the same time, I, I really like the idea of restricting cards first and, you know, reducing the amount you can have in a deck and seeing if that helps. Um, I like that approach. So uh, that uh, that's what I would like to see. I agree with you that I think it's difficult to enforce different lists across different formats. Um, it's easier in a game like Flesh and Blood where those formats are so totally different that uh, they're almost kind of separate games, you know. But in a game like this... Uh, we don't really have anything like young leaders versus, you know, regular leaders, right? So uh, I think the banned and restricted list would have to be, you know, universal across formats. Um, otherwise, things start getting really confusing. And you don't want things to get confusing at your local game stop on a open play night, right? Where someone comes in and they've just started playing the game and then they get told they can't use this card because it's this format on this night, you know? So, right. yeah. So I, I think it, just a general list across the board. And then, you know, trending towards restricting versus banning if possible. That'd be my hopes for it. Yeah, I'm not necessarily against restrictions. My only concern is that it depends. And and this is obviously one of those levers that you pull from a game design standpoint. But it depends on what is the 
problem when you do look to ban or restrict a card, right? Because if it's something that even only one copy is enough to like swing a game, the last thing you want is to feel like you're losing because your opponents kept finding their one of when you couldn't <laughs> sort of thing. Sure. And that it doesn't matter, right? Like you could even be losing the game for other reasons. Like you could just be straight skill gapped, but it doesn't matter if you're on the receiving and it's going to feel like, oh, well, you know, they got their one of really amazing card and I didn't. And so it's easy for me to blame those losses on there. Yeah. Um, so that's why usually I say like, if a card is a problem, it's just a problem. Um, I would prefer to see it banned, uh, but I do like the terminology suspended. I also think that ban lists should never be truly permanent. I think that it's really just suspend until the game is in a place where it's less oppressive um, because, and this is a bit of a hot take that I have. I also don't think that every um, decision needs to be made entirely based on true game balance. I think that it should be made on player experience. There are a lot of times in card games where the deck might have a win rate that is considered acceptable, but whether it's because of popularity or game mechanics or whatever can still create a massively unfun experience for other people, right? And games are meant to be fun. And so competitively, it might be okay. But, you know, if 30 yeah. or players are just deciding, like, I don't want to play if that thing's around, like, that's a problem. People should want to play your game. So uh, I know that that sometimes is a bit of a, a hot take in card game communities but i truly feel like sometimes you have to do things just based on player experience and feelings too no, I totally agree i mean a lot of the, a lot of times those two things go hand in hand right player experience and card strength being too strong um i i want to i i want to i want to conclude this but i also want to include a uh, a little expansion of what i talked about the with restricting cards in that when you restrict a card you need to like approach it in a, a certain way i think from a, a design team where your ultimate design is to not have to ban and restrict anything, right? That's obviously the the primary goal of any any design team. Um, going further than that, uh, when you restrict a card, the way you restrict cards is very important, right? If it's just a strong card and you say one of, then you know, then yeah, you can run into situations where it's still too strong when it comes out, and then you can be like, oh, they just happen to hit it. So when you restrict cards, I think you need to do it. Um, you need to target cards uh, in two different ways. Uh, one, when you target uh, cards for restriction, you need to probably target multiple cards because you're looking at things where, uh, you know, cards used in tandem in a combination are what makes them too strong. So you reduce the likelihood of that combination happening. Those individual cards might still be decent in their own right and they make an impact when they're played, which is good, but you try to reduce the occasions where they come out together, you know? So that's the first thing. The, the second thing is you look at... Um, is the effect of the card just game ending or is it something that it's it's a, a problem because it's difficult to overcome more than once right so if it's a thing where it's a strong game impact but it's overcomable the real issue is if they do multiples of that same thing that becomes oppressive then restricting can work because you can have that strong effect as the player but there's still counterplay by the opponent and they know okay that's over i can move on with the rest of my game plan so i think really thinking about how a card is used in a competitive situation or a game situation uh, should influence how you restrict it too. So if, if that's done well, then I think restricting right. can, can work, you know, pretty good. Otherwise, if you frame it like, like you did, then yeah, it, it doesn't really help as much, but I just wanted to add that in there. No context is a hundred percent important. Yeah. Um, wow. I have no disagreements there. So 
that that is it for the mailbag this week. Um, we did get a couple more questions, but I want to wait till Flake is back before we dive into them. So uh, if you sent us a question, we saw it. Um, we didn't forget about you. We're just going to wait until Flake is back so that he can also participate. But uh, that that is it. We made it. We survived. Yeah, we did it. We did a whole show by ourselves. Wow. Well, you still have to edit it, but uh, but best yeah, of luck with I that. still have to edit it, and it'll probably come out horrible. But that's okay; well, doesn't matter. Any any final comments before we wrap it up? Then, um, thank you for being my wingman through this disaster. You're, you're welcome. I I think we did well. I think it was. I, <laughs> I think, think we, we did fine. Well. We had a good conversation. People learned something. We learned something. We laughed. We cried. I grew as a as a human being spiritually through this podcast and. And that's great. Yeah. I'm going to go make some coffee. Do the line. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm going to go refill my Black oh. Spire from Batu Galaxy's Edge coffee cup. Nice. Coffee sounds wonderful. So uh, with that in mind, uh, I'll do the line. May the force be with you. <laughs> <laughs>